Take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. We reflect upon the Lord's Supper, but beyond the exercise and the remembrance and the importance of the body of Christ coming together and celebrating the things that He has done on our behalf, we want to reflect upon the realities of that gospel The realities of the gospel that see us through the difficult times and periods of life, the realities of the gospel that sustain us, the realities of the eternal life that is secure for us in Christ alone, the promise of inheritance yet not received in its entirety, but soon to be all of ours as we see Him face to face. As we look and reflect upon Paul's words to the church at Colossae as they were struggling with false teachers, struggling with an apostasy of the age, struggling with persecutions, and even struggling sometimes theologically with their understanding of the truth that sets men free. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, to the chosen people and believers at Colossae, and calls upon them that in spite of the increasing paganness of that Colossian culture, to live godly lives, lives that are balanced with the truth, lives that are filled with the knowledge of His will. You know, you reflect upon the realities of this book, and you reflect upon the state of the culture and even the church in which Paul writes and interjects himself. There's so much in our culture that is in keeping with many of the challenges experienced at Colossae. And there are times in our lives that we believe that somehow we are living in the most perilous of times, the most troublesome of times, the worst times in all of the ages, and then again we're reminded that there's nothing new under the sun. And every generation has their challenges, and every generation has their struggles. And every generation seems to take for granted some portions of their culture and some truths that they know. And I'm not sure that here at First Baptist we're any different from that. When we gather together and we open up the book, when we come to the table, for the purpose of reminding ourselves that we do live in a fallen world, and we do live in a world of increasing persecution, and we do live in in a world of, of doctrinal dysfunction and confusion. And we do live in a world of apostasy and and heresy that has even slipped into our churches today. So we must heed what Paul is writing to the church at Colossae because it is so applicable for today. Most importantly, on that personal note and level, I'm reminded that Paul says that when we come to the table, we are to examine ourselves, to take stock When Paul talks about living a life that is worthy, filled with the knowledge of His will, he's talking about a life that is lived differently once you come to Christ through the gospel, a life that is lived as a champion and a herald of that truth, and a life that contains all of the same things everyone else deals with, with a notion that it's going to be okay, a better day is coming. And in the church at Colossae, as well as here, we need to grasp that reality as we reflect upon Paul's writings to the church at Colossae. He says in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of your Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. And of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world that is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and He's made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk worthy in a manner of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing and the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray <coughs> that we might find instruction through Paul's prayers for these believers at Colossae. Pray that we might grasp the things that he speaks of and calls them to. I pray that we would realize the full impact and import of the gospel message. And I pray that uh, you might find us more and more centered around that truth and around that hope and around that inheritance that is guaranteed. It is ours today, but not yet ours in its entirety. As the Colossi Church face their challenges and as we face our challenges, I just pray, I just pray that as we intercede for each other, as we pray for each other, as we pray for the ministry from this place, we might understand the full import and impact of that gospel ourselves. And I pray that we would understand and know that that gospel is in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, to the glory of God alone. May we be reminded in your divine providence and according to your perfect will, you've chosen us. What a humbling reality. May we understand that reality and then live it out, no matter what the age or the challenge is, whether personal, or corporate, or cultural. May you glorify yourself and your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Paul writes to this church at Colossae, he begins with a prayer, continues with that prayer. He prays a couple of different things and reminds them of the importance of thankfulness in our prayer. 
And as he wrestles through this truth in many ways, he is calling them to consider the work of God, a phrase that we learned in the book of Ecclesiastes. And particularly in challenging times, we are reminded by the writer of Ecclesiastes that whether it be a day of prosperity where joy prevails, or a day of adversity where challenges loom large, we are to consider the work of God. We are to look beyond this horizontal plane. We are to look to something bigger, something different, something more sure. And as Paul calls them to that uh, consideration, he reminds them of the glorious hope of the gospel and then reminds them of what that means in the day in which they lived. He says in verse 9, and so in light of these things, and what he's talking about is in light of the heart transforming that has taken place in your life through Jesus Christ. He is reflecting back on the first numbers of verses where he talks about their glorious salvation through Christ alone and their faith in Christ alone according to the will of God and their Father. The hope that they had in the midst of the times in which they lived And the truth of the word of the gospel that has transformed them into fruit-bearing beings who are growing since the day that they were saved. (laughs) There are a couple of important aspects of the gospel that Paul deals with here. He deals with the heart-transforming gospel that changes you instantly. The truth of the matter is, faith in Christ alone… changes you the moment you believe. It alters your life. It radically assures you of things that you may not know in all fullness in this age, but you will know in the age that is to come. There is a definitive period of time, a day, an hour, and a moment in your life where through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, He reveals the truth of the gospel He calls you to repentance in Christ alone. He calls you to acknowledge your sin and to believe this gospel of good news that Christ died for your sin according to the Scripture. He was buried and raised again the third day according to the Scripture. And based upon that belief, not just mere head knowledge and awareness, but personal belief, there is a transformation that takes place in the life of the believer. It is a heart transformation. We go from dead to alive. We go from dead in our trespasses and sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And in a very instant, everything, everything in our life changes to the glorious salvation that comes through the gospel alone. You may have grown up in a church that says that uh, you don't have security in the gospel, but that doesn't do justice to this passage of Scripture. Because nowhere will you find that your security in the gospel is rooted in you. It is rooted in your heavenly Father. It is rooted in His Son, Jesus Christ. It is rooted in the gospel, and it is rooted in that day in which you exercised faith empowered by the Spirit and were transformed from the inside out. Heart transformation. It is in Christ alone. And sometimes in our preaching, made this mistake. 
you're not seeking to preach this, but it comes across that it's Christ and then this, 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 and this. But it's not. It never was. It is Christ alone. Yet at the same time, for those who are gloriously transformed, those He speaks of in this passage of Scripture, who came to faith in God through Christ alone as a will of the Father through Jesus Christ, called to grace and mercy and peace, and now rescued by the blood of Jesus Christ, that heart transformation leads to a life-renewing knowledge. One of the grave mistakes that we make in modern Christianity is to believe that the gospel is only good for the day of salvation and not every day of your life. It is that glorious gospel that reminds us that we no longer are part of the kingdom of darkness, but a part of the kingdom of light. It is the glorious gospel that reminds us that through the transformation of our heart, it's the transformation of our life. There is something that comes after the initial gospel light shining in our heart, and that is that gospel informing us every day of our lives that we are no longer who we used to be. We are children of the King. What a glorious thought. Children of the King. And as children of the King, we are called to respond in a life-changing kind of way. It's Paul addresses this in the church at Colossae. He says, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, those who are believers, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Not asking that you might be saved, acknowledging that you are, acknowledging that point in time of reference in your life where you believe the gospel in your heart was transformed understanding that reality, we are praying then that from that day forward you might be filled with the knowledge of His will, that you might completely and totally understand what God's desire is for you through His Word, how to live, how to, how to live that self-controlled, spirit-controlled life and to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the very concluding words of Peter in his second epistle. So he says, I am praying for you not to be saved. That's happened already. You hear often of people who pray the prayer of salvation over and over and over because they're just not sure. You will never be sure in your own heart and mind. You can only be sure in the gospel. And if Jesus did that, it is finished. And that's where our security comes from. Many times, our lack of security has nothing to do with the gospel and that point of salvation in our life. Our insecurities come from how we live from that day of the gospel till now. And if we're not filled with the knowledge of His will, and if we're not totally pleasing to Him, and if we're not living our lives as Christ called us to live, there is this doubt that creeps in, am I really? And I'm not adding to the gospel I am speaking of the reality of the gospel. It is the gospel of salvation that transforms your heart once and for all at a definite period of time, but it is a gospel that continues to transform you and conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. So we must be filled with that gospel and filled with the knowledge of how God wishes us to live out this life in our spiritual wisdom and understanding spiritual wisdom, the ability to acquire and understand the deep truths of Scripture, 
You cannot do that if you have never experienced the gospel's changing influence in your life. The dead man who is outside of Christ has no capacity to understand the deeper things of truth. But for the believer who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, he, he, he teaches us and He shows us this truth and, and He applies that truth and He gives us the ability to put it all together, to acquire and to organize and to discern what it is that God desires for our life. And that's the understanding, the application of what it is that God desires of our life. And He's going to pray for four particular things, that they walk worthy that they fully please Him, that they bear fruit, and they increase in knowledge. The heart-transforming, life-renewing knowledge of the gospel is from the day of salvation until the day of the realization of every aspect of salvation when we see Him and become like Him, for we see Him as He is. The gospel changes everything, not just once and for all, but day by day, by day, by day, as we're renewed in the truth and reminded of the truth, and as we celebrate that truth in the way that we live our lives. So, we praise for this spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prays for this ability to understand what it is that God requires of me, and what does that mean in our everyday life. If we reflect back on our current study one of the great failures in the mind of the Koheleth as he, as he shares his, his experience, as he shares his, his life under the sun, wasn't that he didn't know the right things. It's, it's the reality that wasn't living the right way under those things. He was given this gift of life, and he decided to live it on his terms. And it is so much like so many of us, myself included, day by day, month to month, and sometimes year to year. Knowing about the gospel and being able to reiterate what the gospel is is not the same thing as being life transformed and heart transformed by that gospel. There are many who know yet have never believed. So when He calls us to this obedience, it's impossible because we've never gone through that heart transforming reality of the gospel. So He calls us, those who are saved, to exercise this spiritual wisdom, our understanding of the revealed will of God in the Scripture, and apply that revealed will of God in Scripture to our lives. And we say, well, how do we do that? We do it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we also do that through the gifts of men. God gives us pastors and, and teachers for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You need to be with God's people. You need to be under the Word. You need to be uh, listening and, and under the guidance of, of men who are gifted and called to, to open the book and preach the book and make application of that book that is necessary for all of us. Although I bear much of the weight of responsibility on a Sunday worship hour, Throughout the week, there are men of God who feed my life in my study. They feed my life and, and my intellect. They feed and challenge my way of life and encourage and show that there's better and different ways of doing things. We are all in need of the body and, and people speaking into our lives because there is a place in life where we know all of the right things, but our heart can be far from God. Nicole Helleth is one of those people. And sometimes we are as well. 
So I am praying, Paul says, that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in spiritual wisdom, that you clearly understand what He expects, and understanding you know what that means in a daily kind of way, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, so that your lifestyle, controlled by wisdom and understanding, might manifest or, or reveal one who knows God. And even greater than that, that your life might be pleasing to your heavenly Father and to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you may be living out His purpose in your life for His glory. And again, in Ecclesiastes, we're reminded that everyone will give an account for everything we do. That's for believers. That's that, that call to, to live soberly and righteous in this present age, to continue bearing fruit, to, to continue to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't it amazing how we change over the course of time? When God gives us victory over some smaller issues in life and our spiritual development, it seems like He allows bigger issues to come in so that He might help us navigate through His Word and through His Spirit and through gifted men and our commitment to the life-changing, life-altering gospel to face a new challenge and to grow a little bit deeper, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. So many people say, well, can I have a different? Is there another way He could do this? I've not found a better way. I'm not always fond of the way that it works out, though. Isn't that you sometimes? <laughs> you face challenges. And hopefully at this stage of your Christian life and development, you're not fighting with spiritual wisdom and understanding the things you used to fight. You've grown up. You put away those childish things. But I think that any of us aren't fighting something is a foolish notion. We're called and encouraged to grow in grace. This isn't a, this isn't a text and a prayer just for the, the young Christians, the immature Christians. This is a, a prayer and a text for the mature Christians. Grow. Don't, don't stop growing. Understand what God wants for you and, and live a life, walk, a manner of living and behavior in a way that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Fully is a word that gets me sometimes, because I'm not home yet. I'm better than I used to be, but not the man I need or want to be. Thereby, I often find myself in the same place as the great Apostle Paul, the wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It is the transforming gospel of everyday life. It comes from the Father through the Son, sealed through the Holy Spirit, and empowered to live a life that is pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, continued manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit, and even even results of our life and, and the rescuing of souls and continuing to increase in the knowledge of God. Not just adding to our knowledge, but adding to our application and understanding of that knowledge. What does this mean in my life? Lord, show me. Make this text real to me. How am I supposed to live? Why does this even matter. And as we continue to grow in our knowledge, not just what we know, but how it applies to how we live, it creates this craving that 
never ceases. We always want a little bit more, and our hearts, like the psalm writer, thirst for God. Sometimes those are seasons. Sometimes they go beyond seasons with some of the challenges in life. But everything under the sun, for those who are changed in their heart by the gospel and those that are changed in their lifestyle and behavior with the gospel, get thirsty for a little bit more in a dry and barren land. And as the land dries up more and more, like our culture, we thirst even more and more. It's funny how young people say, I just hope the Lord waits for His return until I can get married. Once you have a few years under your belt, you're rather to scream, even so come Lord Jesus. Paul's talking to every one of them here. And in the midst of that journey, make sure that you're bearing fruit and you're increasing in the knowledge of God, and know that in these times and in these challenges, it is the Holy Spirit that will bring you to the place to meet those challenges. In fact, verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, including the glorious gospel, for all endurance and patience with joy. When you don't think you can do this anymore, I pray that you tap into the resource of the Holy Spirit and find your strength in all of the power of your Heavenly Father of your Savior Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you might be able to <coughs> tap into all of that unending and unlimited might and power and grace to endure and to be patient with joy, to endure, learning to be patient in every circumstance in life. Solomon said it in times of prosperity. in times of trouble. Lord, help me. I can't, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this. I'm overwhelmed by this. I need You. And there is a resource of power that comes to the Trinity by way of the gospel that allows you to endure. Not just get by. Not just tolerate but to look at every situation with an understanding that the gospel will take us home and everything's going to be okay. That's the endurance that so many of us long for in this world, and it comes to the gospel and the knowledge of God and the application of that truth and the power of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the patience that comes with joy toward other people, this ability not only to handle your own stuff, but to be patient with people as they handle theirs, too. I'd like to think it's easier to deal with my own stuff than other people, but I know myself better than that. But I also know it's a chore to deal with other people's stuff. And he's saying that through the gospel, I will prepare you to deal with your stuff, and I will prepare you to be patient as God's people deal with their stuff. And as we're all learning and growing in our knowledge and our spiritual wisdom and our understanding, as we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, that we would have endurance and patience, willing to give thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Your thankfulness must be rooted and grounded in the reality that it is God Himself, according to His divine will, that has appointed your position in Christ the day that you came to know the heart transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This foolish notion that somehow this is, this is in, in some way a joint endeavor is foolish indeed. God did that. In our hearts, we must learn to give thanks. And be reminded that the same God who did that is working in us and calling us to these things that Paul has addressed in the context of the book. May you increasingly find empowerment through His Spirit to deal with the circumstances of life and the people of His life. May you know in the hardest days how to be strengthened with all power. How, Pastor Jim? Remember your salvation. Remember your Savior. Tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain you and to allow you to do things that you cannot do by yourself and be reminded by Paul's words that you can do whatever He calls you to do through the strength that comes through Christ alone. To be reminded that the gospel that saved you is the gospel that keeps you. And the gospel that saved you as the gospel that keeps you is the same gospel that does everything in between. The gospel changes everything. And that's what he's saying. He's encouraging them, and he's bringing them about to this place of, of realizing how good God has been to them. And as they give thanks, knowing that it is God alone, our Father, who has called us to salvation it is God alone who secures our place in heaven with the saints of life. It is God through Christ and only through Christ who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His Son. And that brings us to the table, doesn't it? In Christ alone by faith alone, through grace alone, to the glory of God alone. It's funny how we are so persuaded and convinced that we are in desperate need of God to rescue us from our sin. And then proceed somehow to think that it's up to us to make sure we get through the rest of life. Impossible. This life-changing gospel is both heart-transforming and life-renewing. And it comes through the ministry of the Spirit, through the Son, as we're called by the Father into this kingdom of light and granted forgiveness of sin. As we go through life, as the world gets more and more challenging and difficult, as we go through our own little valleys of the shadow of death, as we face those things in life that are curveballs, as we deal with things that we never expected to deal with and probably 
for honest, don't want to deal with, we must remember the words of the Apostle Paul as he prays for this church at Colossae, thanking God for rescuing the souls of the believers in that place. That's where we start this morning. Do you know him? Do you understand that he did that? Do you understand that your heart was dead in trespass and sin? Do you understand that you are an enemy of God, a vessel of wrath, fit for destruction, and yet God in His divine will said, no, mind. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, He rescued you according to His will and planted in you the Spirit of God to prepare you for what would come after that. Do you know Or have you forgotten the glorious nature of that gospel? Sometimes we reflect our failed memories by how we live. So Paul says, hey, wait a second. If you're going to remember the glorious transformation of the heart that comes to the gospel, I want you to be reminded of the life-changing gospel that affects every single day of your life. So I want you to be filled with the knowledge and the wisdom of God. I want you to walk worthy according to one who is called and transformed by the gospel. I want you to remember that this one, this Christ who has rescued and liberated you through redemption, He purchased you out of your sin by paying your debt on the cross of Calvary. That's glorious. There's nothing you could do about it. God said, I've got that taken care of. Through His Son, Jesus Christ, we are rescued and transformed in our hearts, and it is through that gospel and His Son and the Spirit and the Word that we live as children, not of the domain of darkness, but children who have been transformed into the light, children who live in the kingdom of His beloved Son. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And if I can interject Paul's words in Romans, therefore sin hath no more dominion over you. You're free. You're free. But like the Galatians, we want to return to bondage. <laughs> I got this. No, 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 no. It is the gospel that rescues. It is the gospel that secures your inheritance but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that sustains you every single day of your life. Don't ever forget that. Sustained by the power of the gospel in good times and in challenging times. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. By the free payment of our ransom, we have been emancipated from our sin as far as the east is from the west, so far has our sin been removed from us, even when we slip into sin as a child of the king. You are forever sealed, and you will forever have this promise of an inheritance that nobody can take away from you. But that is manifest and must be manifest by how we live. And here's the paradox. So which way is it, Pastor Jim? Am I free through the blood of Christ alone? Yes. So I'm free then to live whatever way I want? No. So I have to live 
fully pleasing to him? I have to walk worthy? Yes. So that means if I'm not walking worthy, I'm not rescued? No. But it's those who truly know him who understand the connection between heart transformation and life transformation. And the rest of you just know about the gospel. You might be able to give me the Roman road, but you know the king. There are two sides to the gospel. The one that rescues and the one that keeps and the one that allows us to live fully pleasing to him until the sound of the trumpet when we see him and become like him for we see him as he is. The gospel is heart transforming, but the gospel is also life renewing. And we must keep that in mind every time we come to this table. So we remember the Lord's death until he come. But before we remember, we search our hearts in quietness. And we ask, am I fully pleasing to him? Is there something that God is trying to do in my life today? Am I missing something? What, what needs to change? And we prepare our hearts knowing that in our behaviors, none of us are fully pleasing to him. But in our spirit, we stand righteous before our king. What a, what a challenging reality. Know Jesus, K-N-O-W. No change, K-N-O-W. To know Christ means to have your life altered. No Jesus, N-O, no change. Can't happen. But for those who know him, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he says, I give you everything that you need to live life's fully pleasing to me. Be strengthened with all power in your spirit and through the spirit for the glory of God. And remember in whom we have redemption. What about you? I desperately need this in my life. Remember, without me, you can do nothing. But in Christ, everything's going to be okay. So Paul says, I thank God. Then in the midst of the craziness of life, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. The gospel's equipped me to do this. All thanks be to the Father, the very way he starts out his prayer. As we come to this table of remembrance, I pray that to be encouraged and challenged and blessed and know that we will continue to come to this table until the Lord's return. May it be quickly for his glory alone. Heavenly Father, we thank you the privilege of gathering with your people here in this place, this time. We thank you for your word that reminds us and spells out so clearly this heart 
life-changing, life-altering gospel. We thank you for these appointed times where in quietness and very direct manner. We remind ourselves of the very foundation of our faith, the very hope and our endurance, the very promise of our inheritance, our soon coming King, that it is all about Christ. And I would ask, Father, that as we continue to live out this life in an increasing pagan age, in an age where many churches are losing touch with the realities of Scripture, where some have apostatized from the faith, adding and taking away to the things that are true, that you might find us rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, thankful for that day, for many years and years ago, that you rescued our souls from sin. May we be reminded of the endurance that we've shown throughout the difficult peaks and valleys of life. It was the gospel that saw us through. Bless us with a constant hope that soon all of this will be over and everything will be okay as we stand before our King. So as we remember your death till you come, May we remember that the gospel changes everything. And may it be all to your glory. As we take this benevolence offering, bless those that give. Grant wisdom in the distribution of these funds to encourage the body. And to bless those who are experiencing discomfort and trial and tribulation. But remind us all, it is all because of Jesus we're alive. Accept our praise, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.